As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Howdy, everyone. Staple. Welcome back to No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Joined for the last time in December, but uh, it's been a great run. Former Islanders, former Flyers coach Scott Gordon. Scott, good to have you back. Thanks, Arthur. Glad to be here. Um, we're all glad to be here. We have a little, we're, we're recording as the, as the league is winding down into kind of an extended pause or sort of shuffled pause for the holiday. Um, a lot of games postponed. Uh, before we get into specifics with the Islanders, you know, and Scott, we talked a couple episodes back about kind of the stops and starts that you had in, in Lehigh Valley in the AHL last season. As a coach, you know, when you're in this situation where maybe you're playing, maybe you're not, um, how does that affect any sort of preparation? I mean, I know it's the coaches, it's not quite, it's a little bit different than the players and the players are such creatures of habit. How do you kind of, how do you have to manage your team through a situation where you might be playing, you might be traveling, you might not. It's just sort of, you know, the, to expect the unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, that's that's kind of how we had to go through it three times last year. Um, and once was because of our team. And another time was because of another team. You're, you're just about ready to get on the bus to go play a game and you get word that you're not going. And, and then, uh, you know, then you play it one game we played and player left after the first period. So, that put us on hold for a few days where we had games canceled and kind of had to get through the weekend to make sure that nobody, nobody had, had caught COVID from that player in the, on the other team. So, uh, it, you know, it was the first of many things last year, but um, you know, the one thing you just, you know, everything's kind of put on hold and you kind of map out what you project might be your schedule and what you feel you need to work on. And uh, you know, when it's all said and done, you won't know till you get back on the ice and start playing games that you can really get a good feel of where your team is at depending on how long the break has been and when you look at the situation that's kind of snowballed here around the league with before they called this league-wide pause and really you know i think we were you know i think everybody that's got that's understood the way that this covid situation has worked is that you know guys being off for three or four days may not be the ultimate solution to this there might be more pauses to come more outbreaks on each team uh, and the Islanders, uh, as Barry Trotz pointed out the other day, were kind of the guinea pigs for how the league was going to handle this. And, um, you know, there's probably some 
resentment towards the league, towards the way the things were handled with the Islanders from now almost a month ago where they had their big outbreak and had to play through it and only had a couple games postponed after they had lost a few more uh, with a pretty ragtag lineup. How do you kind of manage that? I mean, you know, it's it's human nature to feel, to see other people being treated, you know, in a similar situation being treated uh, better than you were treated. But, uh, and that can, I assume that can be something that can linger in a room. Is there any way to kind of push that aside when the group has that, you know, they didn't, you know, they, the kind of, not a woe is me mentality, but just to like, they made us do it and they're not making anyone else do it. Yeah. I think that's one of those things you file under um, control, what we can control. Obviously, you know, the Islanders didn't have any say in that. And, um, you know, you, you hope to get through it and, and not lose too much ground on the standings. But the other side of that is having gone through that, you at least know that your, your team's probably off better off and better shape than what maybe some of the other teams will have to go through if they get an outbreak and are going to miss time. And when they come back from that, um, last year, we, we had, I think it was like close to a two week break. And, um, we went and we played our first game back, we played Hershey and we had one practice the day before. And, uh, you know, like you, you can only do so much. You can't, you can't kill them. You got to save the energy for the game. And, and everything as far as the game went, considering the circumstances, five on five went pretty good. And uh, we ended up in the, in the next two games. I think I don't know if it was back to back, but I know we didn't practice that in between games. If we did play every other day, um, we we had the best penalty kill in the league. It like it was over ninety percent, and it was like we forgot how to kill penalties. And we <laughs> gave up I think uh, four goals and six opportunities, and we were in the middle of the pack after that. It's somewhere around eighty, and it was. Like, you know, that was like the one thing I said to myself, we don't have to worry about. And yet that was the thing that uh, we, we failed at. And, you know, the, the power play, you know, was good. And the five on five was play was good. We didn't give up a lot of shots. And, and uh, at that point in the season, there was only, you know, two or three penalties being called. And then all of a sudden we were one of the least penalized teams in the league. And we, we took seven penalties. And so you're like, beating your head up over that. And and so you're never really sure what you have to tackle uh, during those stretches. And when you're not playing, um, you know, you, you, you try to figure out, okay, well, you know, I'm thinking there's not going to be a lot of special teams because it had been trending that way. And then all of a sudden we get hit with that. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, the biggest thing is you, you can only control what you can control. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, there's, it's, it's going to flip and, you know, the other team's going to have to deal with it, and you've, you've been able to survive it and get through it. Well, seeing the three games the Islanders had this week, and obviously they're still not through it themselves because we recorded a week ago, and about an hour after we recorded, Matthew Barzal was reported to be in COVID protocol, and he's been out ever since, and it definitely affected them in that game where they lost 2-1 to the Red Wings and didn't score, uh, scored their only goal late, 6-on-5. Um, they did beat a depleted Bruins team, so I guess uh, the hockey gods were willing to give back a couple of points to the Islanders because the Bruins had to play before their pause came without Bergeron, without Marshawn, and, and a couple, you know, without Jeremy Swayman. And uh, the Islanders took care of business in that game. And then um, a Vegas game that was kind of wild. It was, a, you know, it was an anticipated game because Robin Leonard was making his first trip back to the coll- to UBS Arena, first time there, but first trip back to Long Island since he was an Islander in 2018-19. And uh, there's a real love affair between Islander fans and Robin Leonard. It's very mutual. 
Um, and that was a game that was back and forth, you know, and, and I think you can safely say maybe outside of some stretches in the Detroit game, the Islanders are playing Islander hockey right now and they're just not winning. Um, how, you know, what do you see as sort of the issue if there is an issue with them? Um, and how do you get out of that kind of that rut of feeling like you played well, but not coming away with the two points? Well, there's, there's definite improvement in the way they're playing. Uh, I think the combination of guys getting their legs back under them, if they were struggling from COVID whether, or injury, um, just getting back uh, a large portion of their team. Um, I think the first three games that I watched at the end of November, it, it was a struggle. Like it wasn't, it, it didn't look like the Islanders. There wasn't anything clean that was happening coming out of their zone. And uh, you weren't really getting a lot of, you know, strong performances from the team in general. Um, but as, as we talked about, uh, you know, there's some young players that got some opportunity and I think they benefited from it, particularly Dobson and Wallstrom. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just watching Wallstrom in the last few games and his ice time has jumped up. He's getting more production and you can see the confidence that he's, that he's trying things that, uh, I don't even think, you know, he's it's almost like he's more of a dump and chase and not turn the puck over type guy. And, and I think, you know, with the production that he's had, he's getting confidence uh, with the coaching staff and, uh, and as a result, he's getting more opportunity. You know, so those are encouraging signs. Um, you know, I, I got to give Barry credit uh, to situations that happened um, that could be negatives, um, probably turn into positives. Dobson, um, the game against Nashville. We talked about that game winning goal when he threw it around the boards and, you know, options he might've had uh, in the game against uh, Vegas. There was, I think there was about three minutes to go in the game or maybe three minutes in the second period. It was three minutes in a period. And he went back for the puck, same situation. He was all by himself. Uh, this time he looked over his shoulder. He saw that play that uh, he made in Nashville wasn't available. He protected the puck. Um, uh, waited for the forecheck to come the forecheck hit him and then he spun off it and carried the puck behind the net they broke out and they went down the ice and that's the type of you know coaching that uh you you probably don't know or notice you know like every all right the special teams goals against and penalty killing uh effort you can see and stuff like that but that to me was something that uh you know somebody i think got a hold of dobson and and probably walked him through it and discussed what his options were and he he couldn't have made a, a better play than he did in that situation and that you know that's a part of coaching that uh you, you know you, you as a fan you, you don't get to see but i'm watching the exact same situation him responding in a positive way and, and obviously that's really encouraging and then the other situation that i thought was uh you know pretty unique you know the, the benching of Beauvillier, um, you know, he comes back and he plays that game. I think he played – did he play uh, before uh, he scored the goal in Boston? Did he play against – he played against Detroit, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he he, he plays that game and he gets decent minutes and uh, then goes in Boston and gets the goal. But the, the play to me that really stood out was in the third period where he back-checked on a three-on-two and really extended himself, got a stick out, intercepted the pass. And uh, I, it was almost like you could sense that uh, Barry said, that's what I'm talking about. And I, I think he played every other shift. Palmieri went down with an injury and 
you know, there were opportunities for him to get out there uh, and double up on his ice time. And I, I don't know what his final minutes were, but, um, you know, that's uh, two things there. Obviously, the message was sent and, and received by Beauvillier. And then on top of that, the the other part of coaching is is only another step and and rewarding a guy for not for the goal but for the play without the puck and you know ultimately those lead to more opportunities for the player and and uh, really those are you know two exceptional examples of coaching that uh, you know are behind the scenes that you you really you don't get to see while it's going on during the game necessarily or pay attention to it and uh, I thought that, that they did a great job with those two situations. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So there is some good, and we've broken down what what's changed, I think. Um, and they are in this, you know, kind of in their post-losing streak, 3-2-4, and four, so that's points in 7-9. of nine. But this pattern that they're in of winning one, losing one, um, and the Nashville game losing it late, Vegas getting tied late, losing in a shootout the other night. Um, you know, these are these are situations that that happen to. We kind of, you know, it's it's very anecdotal and it's a cliche that good teams find a way to get two points when they're not maybe not playing as well, or they just find a way at the end of a game to win an overtime or a shootout. And the mediocre teams do not. And the Islanders have a mediocre record, and they are 0-6 after regulation, um, and they don't seem to have a lot of confidence, whether in OT or the shootout. Um, Is that a product of just not feeling like yourselves? I mean, just the the confidence not flowing through. I mean, three-on-three, you do want to have as many skilled guys as you can. The Islanders, they're down Matthew Barzal. They don't have their good skating defensemen anymore, Nick Letty or Devon Taves. So their their OT formations are not ideal, but you can still win games there and still get that extra point. Um, do you find that there's a pattern, or is it just really um, a team that's that's struggling to, to dig out of a hole and and it's it's just hard to do and hard to extend yourself for for an ex- beyond the sixty minutes? I think that I think that over time shootouts are are really dictated by an exceptional goaltender or exceptional scorers. I mean, if you've got, and as you know, with Franz Nielsen, it was pretty comforting to know when you put him over the boards, there's a pretty good chance you're going to have at least one goal. And you're not going to win too many, too many shootouts with one goal. Um, so when you get that one goal, now you're saying, okay, I, you know, we either need a, a great goaltending performance in the shootout or we, we score another one. And there's a pretty good chance we're going to win. And, um, you know, for, for whatever reason, they haven't been able to get as many goals or get the saves and shootouts. And you know, I always looked at it like, you know, let's let's try to get this in in, in overtime. 
where it's more of a you know strategy to it than than just a, a skills um, session. Um, and you know the, the the one thing I will say about the Vegas overtime, I thought I thought the Islanders controlled the play. They had the puck most of the time and and uh, created some some pretty good chances. And, and the goaltender made some big saves. And and so. You know, for me, that's encouraging. Um, you know, I, I liked what they they were doing as far as puck possession and, and waiting for their opportunities to, to score off the rush and you know try to work it in within a change where you catch the other team making a bad change while you have possession. And so lo- those things are good. Um, but at the end of the day, you do have to come up with that extra point. And as we were talking before we went on air here, you know, those six points if those are you know wins instead of. Uh, shootout losses or overtime losses you're you're looking at being uh in the playoffs so um the the biggest thing i always the way i always looked at overtime and shootouts is how you played in the 60 minutes that's what's gonna that's what to me is going to serve you best over the long haul and if you're playing well in those 60 minutes which i i think for the most part uh their last well since they got home um you know, they've been get. it seems like they're getting better every game and um, they're not giving up a lot and uh, getting goaltending and they're starting to get production from the younger players and, and more responsibility and power play is starting to click with uh, Lee and Nelson being back Bailey. Um, so that that's encouraging and their penalty kill has been good. So uh, there's certainly a lot more pluses there than negatives. Um, you know, just it's, it's one of those things where, you know, they, they've got to, understand what their identity is and, and they've been doing that for a while uh, sticking to, with that and they just got to continue to to do that yeah it's it does get later i mean they they still played the fewest games of anybody in the league so you, you still have some some runway but uh but it does start to get a little hectic especially when you're starting to have rescheduled games and all this other stuff and and condensing it later on um I wanted to, to ask you a little bit about Josh Bailey, who, as we mentioned uh, several shows ago, I think is the only guy left in the organization that you coached. Um, he's had a real struggle this season, and it's and you know it's kind of common sense to say, yeah, it, it makes sense. He he was struggling a little bit early. He was the first guy to go into COVID protocol, and not just in COVID protocol for ten days, but in COVID protocol for ten days. Uh, in a hotel room in Florida, which seems not ideal to actually look, keep your skating legs in the middle of a season. When he came back, uh, it's still been tough. And, you know, he came back and within a couple games after him coming back, Matthew Barzal went out, who's usually been his line mate <clears throat> this season. Um, and in general, you know, he's a he's the longest tenured Islander. He's a guy who's been a lightning rod for the fans. I think even for a couple of coaches um, who've maybe felt that there's more for him to give, but in the last few years, he's been probably their best playoff player, maybe their second best playoff player during their deep runs. So obviously he's bought a lot of trust uh, with Barry Trotz, who's going to give him a longer leash than maybe some other guys. When, when you look at the way he plays and I think everybody knows what a cerebral player he is when he's struggling, it probably looks worse than maybe some other guys, but, but what do you see from these last few games from him? Um, if you see anything that's that's cause for concern, or just it's Josh Bailey and it and it comes and goes sometimes with him. Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't know that my memory of him and what he is today as a player. Um, I think maybe if there's one thing that is similar is that he's a he's a pass first guy. I think that's 
I think statistically the numbers show that. And I think when those guys are, you know, struggling, they tend to force plays like the other night on the power play. You know, he's got full possession. He's got some time and he's trying to thread the needle through, you know, sticks and skates. And, and, uh, you know, is there an option there to shoot? Is there, you know, another, other play maybe to be made uh, to open things up a little bit more. And, and, um, you know, so when you watch somebody who's, you know, probably his go-to to feel good about his game, a lot of times is, is making good passes. And now all of a sudden, if you're, you're a pass first guy and you're not connecting on those passes, well, you're not going to get any points. And then obviously you're putting your destiny in the hands of somebody else to score. And if they don't score, you know, I think sometimes that weighs on you because now you're not getting the assist and maybe had an opportunity to shoot and, and score and, and uh, you know, build your, your game by getting offense by scoring goals versus, you know, making every single look a, a pass versus a shot. So um, I'm sure with his experience and, and uh, you know, once uh, Barzell gets back, uh, things will get back uh, up to where the standard of play with it, he's accustomed to. And, and uh, you know, on the other side of it, he's not sacrificing defense to do it. So, you know, that's a, you know, as we talked before, the, you, you can't, you can't try to get your offense by not playing defense because then it really goes south on you. And, and we saw how quickly that happened with Bovillier with one shift and all of a sudden, you know, you know, he's sitting out and I don't think obviously they're at that point with Josh, but, you know, obviously he's got a, uh, he's got a, like you said, he's a cerebral player and um, I'm sure he's had stretches like this and it'll come around for him quickly. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. We'll hit the mailbag now. You've got mail. Only one question from uh, from Twitter, and uh, Joe is asking what Scott's thoughts are on Zdeno Chara uh, and what what he more indelicately referred to as Barry Trotz's preference maybe for veterans over younger players, which I think is something that probably every coach has been accused of um, favoring veterans over younger players, especially longtime coaches. Um, so, you know, Zdeno Chara, it's been a struggle, you know, it, it seems like every time, uh, you know, I think the Detroit game, especially when he was on the ice, Detroit really took advantage of, uh, of him and his, and his 44 year old mobility. Uh, there was a lot of dump ins to his corner and a lot of, but, you know, pucks come away where the Red Wings came away with the puck and generated some off that takes a penalty against Vegas. Vegas immediately converts. Um, so some of it's in his control and maybe some of it's not. And, um, you know, I think when you look at their lineup, obviously, uh, there's not a lot of options to sit to Dano Chara right now in terms of the defensive depth. But but when you're in that kind of situation with a guy who's as respected and has the resume that Zdeno Chara has, how, how difficult might it be to make a decision to either sit him out or adjust his minutes or make a change that, that you might feel like you need to? Well, I, you know, of course, every coach has their favorites. And, and obviously, there's a level of trust with an older player through experience. And, you know, we've talked 
about the dubs and going back for that puck against Nashville and, and, uh, you know, down the road, is he going to learn from that and, and, you know, probably not put himself in that situation. And, and, you know, as, as we discussed, it, it didn't take long for him to figure it out and came through last game with that. But I, I will say this about, uh, Chara, um, he has a, uh, obviously a, a great understanding of the game and whoever his partner is, I think they're benefited by the fact that, uh, his experience, his communication are, and I, I also think he's, he's a very encouraging guy from what I've heard uh, with his partner. Um, that has a huge impact uh, for the younger players. You know, when he was out of the lineup, which I believe was the Toronto, New York, and Pittsburgh games about a month ago, uh, those young defensemen, um, I thought, really struggled, uh, whether it was Zaho or uh, I don't know if it was, uh, I can't think of the Salo. Um, I don't know if he had played then, but, you know, even Dobson, uh, maybe a little bit. Um, there's a reason why Barry puts the inexperienced guys with Char because there's a you know certain level of trust that you're going to get from the guy that he's playing with uh, that, for the most part, is going to make all the right plays and, and communicate with that young player. And there's value in that. And I think, uh, you know, all those guys that have played him, all three of them, Dobson, Salo, and, and Naho have benefited by him being in the lineup. And, and, you know, you just have to look back to those three games. And I don't, I don't think the games were as, as good for the Islanders as they've been since he's been back in the lineup and, and playing with those guys. You know, what I'm sure you've had in your stops and probably thinking about it and trying not to say anything with some veterans who maybe you had to have some hard conversations with who guys that were not necessarily performing at the, the level that you were accustomed to having with them or the, that, people were accustomed to seeing from them. Uh, have you ever had to have a conversation like that where, where you, you know, you're, you need to reduce minutes or, or kind of adjust things and, and how, you know, these guys don't stay in the league very long because they're unconfident or unsure of themselves. They're very confident and they have egos and they're human beings. And it, it's a lot of pride involved. How difficult is that situation if you've been in it? Well, the difficult part, is when you're having that conversation with that person that is still seeing himself as the player that they were, you know, whether it's five years, 10 years ago when they were in their prime, you know, depending on their, the age of the player. Um, and, and it's even probably more difficult with offensive players because, you know, the, the numbers don't lie. Um, but at the same time, they, they still feel it and they still see it. Um, and they don't want to hear it. You know, like you, you try your best to be honest with them. You try to give them some statistical numbers to back up what you're saying. You, you try to, you know, at least see through their eyes what they're seeing and, and maybe who they're playing with in those circumstances. But at the end of the day, you you always feel like you have to do what's right for the team. And you know, sometimes it's a reduced role. Sometimes it's out of the lineup. And um, they're, they're never, never good conversations. And you know, I think right now at this time, you know, we're, we're talking about Chara. You know, I think he, you know, whether he has a bad shift or gives up a goal or takes a penalty, I think there's a lot more pluses than negatives. And until the time comes where the player, just because he's a young player and he's a draft pick, that doesn't mean he is today what he's going to be tomorrow. And you have to, you have to figure out as a coach. Are, are we a better team with them or without them in the lineup? And that's both for the younger guy and, and for the older veteran. And 
until the time comes where, you know, one of the younger players actually takes Char's job away, you know, I think you know, he's going to have some longevity there and, until that happens with the coaching staff and them sticking with him and, and uh, knowing that they, you know, for the most part, they can trust that he's going to make the right decisions in critical moments. So the Islanders are like every team after today, uh, they're off for three or four days. And um, even in the short, in a non-COVID year um, season, rather, the, this three-day holiday break is usually one where the younger guys with no kids um, might hop on a plane and go somewhere for 48 or 54 hours and get back in time um, for practice uh, at the end of it. Guys with families get to have a quiet Christmas. Maybe it won't be so quiet. Maybe they go somewhere. Uh, in your experience, when you kind of send your professional players out into the world for three days, and it's a different world that Barry Trotz is sending them out into now because of COVID and the situation with all the shutdowns. Um, but, uh, you know, what? what's kind of the send-off? What was, did you have kind of a send-off speech for your, for your guys, or did you kind of just say, like, uh, you know, it, it is these are adults, and I hope they're going to come back in good shape. And did anyone ever come back with anything more than a bad sunburn or uh, or you know wobbly legs from from not doing much for seventy two hours? Yeah, fortunately, I, I didn't experience too much uh, negative as far as when players came back. I, I I did have a pretty much a canned speech, you know, post the last game or the last day together with the players. As far as you know, we're going to be home. And in the American League, we we actually had some longer breaks, some somewhere seven days. Um, but it was always the same thing, uh, guys. Uh, you know, we got some time off here. Make sure you take your runners home, get on a bike, go for a run, whatever it might be. And then I'd always finish it up with, "I know you're all rolling your eyes, and you're not going to do it, but I can at least say I said it to you to feel better about <laughs> doing my job." So, um, you know, lighten the mood a little bit. But you know, the the reality is sometimes. You know, when you get to Christmas, what I found is the, the break is welcomed. Um, usually, December is a pretty busy month prior to Christmas, and uh, it, I think our longer breaks, our, our teams have actually played better than when we've had the shorter breaks, just because it was kind of like uh, you got away from it, you cleared your head, and there's like a renewed sense of uh, uh, energy within the room, excited to play again and get back at it. And you don't usually have a whole lot of practice. So, you know, it's almost like right after Christmas, you're, you you hit the road or you have a, uh, a homestand where you're, you're playing a bunch of games in a row. And, uh, you know, it's almost like playoffs. You play, you're playing games and every player will tell you they'd rather play games in practice. So it, it can actually be a, a good stretch for the team. Well, uh, we're headed into – our own holiday break for everybody listening and for you, Scott, Merry Christmas. Thanks so much. This was a great and informative month. It's uh, it's a rare treat that we get a coach, especially an Islanders coach on here to break down some, some X's and O's that a lot of us don't really understand. So I appreciate all your help, Scott. Thanks so much. Well, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it and uh, good luck with your, uh, your new team and, and hopefully somebody fills uh, your shoes of the same quality that you give. <laughs> well, we don't talk about that team on this show, but uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, thank you, and uh, thanks for everyone for listening to No Sleep Till Belmont. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform to leave a rating and review if you're enjoying the show. That really helps us out. You can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. 
start with a 30-day free trial, then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, annual subscriptions to The Athletic are just $3.99 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash Belmont. Thanks again to Scott Gordon, our guest co-host for December. We'll be back again real soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you.